Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Now, I just by the way, just to let you know, I have no idea nightly who Jane gets as a guest. She never tells me. She sends me an email at roughly 10 o'clock, which I print off, which I've here, and that's the first I hear of it. Um, because I find it more interesting that way, because just like you, the listeners, I want to have a better understanding and I want to be surprised and I want to be interested as well in what the guest has to say. And tonight we're very lucky to be joined by a shama- uh, shamanic trauma healer. Never heard of what it is, but I'll find out in a second. And James Deegan helps clients heal the childhood traumas they experience so they're no longer prisoners to the past emotionally. He helps clients understand how their past is showing up in their present and why they don't have any self-love and are finding themselves in toxic relationships, maybe. James also has a workshop coming up later in August, which we will hear about very shortly. And uh, I'm going to talk to James. James, good evening to you. How are you? I'm very well. How are you, my friend? Good. Now, firstly, you're going to have to tell me what a shamanic trauma healer is and where the word shamanic comes from. Well, shamanic is mostly associated with Native Americans. And I'm not a Native American man. I'm an Irish man. I was born in body from Dublin. And I only found out recently last year when I was working actually with a shamanic healer, I was working on the traumas that I experienced myself as a young kid. And this individual was a shamanic trauma healer. And when he was doing healings on me, he was able to identify that I also had the sex same abilities that he had. So when I'm working with clients, I am, um, I'm able to what's referred to as journey into the client's, what's referred to as an energy body and an astral body. And I have the abilities to basically remove the energy associated with the trauma that that particular client has experienced from childhood. And do, nutshell, do we all have that? Do, 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 do all of us have, do we all carry a little bit of baggage around with us? Absolutely. We definitely do. Mm. And where where does Some that where does where does it come from? Does it come from a bad relationship, bad parenting when when we were kids? Does it come from an accident we might have had or a death in the family? Or where where generally does that trauma come from? It comes from all of the above. So basically, there's there's the big there's the big tears what people most refer to as big traumas, and that would be like sexual abuse, uh, experience as a kid, car crashes, a parent dying. Like they're big traumas. The most overlooked traumas is what's referred to as developmental traumas, and they're the traumas where a child is being raised in an environment where there's a lack of love, there's a lack of connection. And the reason there's a lack of connection from the parents is because the parents themselves are in trauma and they don't know how to emotionally connect with themselves and they struggle to emotionally connect with their kids. But a lot of the time when parents are in trauma, what they actually end up doing is, is projecting all of their hurt and their pain onto their children. So mm-hmm. the parents absolutely love their children, but at the same time, you can traumatize your children. And the reason being is because when we're in the womb for the first six, seven years of our lives, a child is developing in response to the environment it's being raised in. So can can the unborn child be affected by the anxieties or the nervousness or the trauma that a mother or depression that a mother is going through? Absolutely, and there's so many studies to prove this that that's where the the development begins. It's in the womb. So okay, if mom is if mom is stressed, if she's anxious, depressed, she doesn't have a lot of support. She has a lot of unresolved wounds herself, and a lot of that's presenting itself in her life and through the pregnancy. The, the baby will completely be impacted by all of her uh, dysregulation. Okay, so take me, use me as an example, right? Because that would be a fair thing to do. So I was mm-hmm. born in a mother and baby home um, in St. Patrick's Home on the Navan Road. Uh, I would okay. be, I'm sure you've seen the photographs of like, you know, three dozen cots in a row and one nun feeding every baby. 
And I yeah. would have been there for kind of 14 months of my life. So those kind of formative times of your life where there's no bonding because there's no mother, does that have a traumatic effect? Would, would that have an effect in me? For example, I find, even though I'm 16, well, almost 16, 59, 16 next month, I find, you know, that there's a level of insecurity maybe that I have. I'm very insecure. I can be a little bit paranoid. Um, I'm, I value so much my relationship uh, with my yeah. wife. So does, is that part of who I am? Does that, ident- does that kind of something that kind of, um, I suppose, identifies me throughout my life? Well, absolutely. And that will follow you for the rest of your life. And also really, the, where that sort of trauma shows up is mostly in your interpersonal relationships, especially the relationships with partners. But if you actually look at a, a one-year-old who is in that sort of environment, and mum and dad are not around, and there's not a lot of connection, Although it's a one-year-old child, we have this thing called explicit memories. We also have implicit memories. Implicit memories are the memories that you can actually consciously recall. Most people can recall from the age of four or five upwards. Nobody can really call time the way when we're the first three, four years of life. But they're the explicit memories that we have, or sorry, the implicit memories. And the implicit memories is what really shows up in our um, emotional dynamics. So mm-hmm. I can imagine someone like yourself, if you were a client from the CME, the violence that would be created as a result of being raised in the environment for 14 months would be a lot of abandonment, a lot of rejection, which would create a lot of a lifelong sense of almost insecurities and feeling almost threatened by the possibility of connecting or, or gaining a connection in a relationship with somebody else. But the, the idea of possibly losing that connection, because a lot of people, when they have abandonment and rejection, wounds, when they get some sort of connection through the relationship with another person, they almost want to cling on to that connection. That's how a lot of codependency and toxic relationships are created because the person's codependent, dependent on that other person to meet their connection needs because their connection needs were never met as children. That makes sense. Yeah, okay, the, the bonding. And because we talked about that when we were talking about the compensation that was given for the mother and baby homes and the government psychologist didn't want to award or compensate those who were in the mother and baby homes less than six months because they didn't believe it had any traumatic effect. I think most psychologists would disagree with that. But I suppose then later in life, when you talk about the, the more serious ones, which are sexual or physical abuse, that can have mm-hmm. a very dramatic effect on people, can't it, throughout their lives? Absolutely. But the most significant ones that actually have the most long-lasting ones, aside from sexual abuse, is the mental and emotional abuse. Like physical abuse, it's actually really interesting. When I talk to clients and I say, we ever, I actually don't say to them, we ever physically abused because most of them say no. I always say, we ever slapped as a child? Oh, yeah, I slapped around. Yeah. I was hit with a wooden spoon. I was chased around with a belt. And it's like, that's physically abusing a child. When you do that to a child, it's... it's um, but you always get the line, I, I, I got chased around with a wooden spoon yeah. or the slipper. But you, we always come out with lines like, these kind of self-protection lines, like, Asher didn't do me any harm. Absolutely. And this is the thing. What we're also doing is, is creating a coping mechanism and an adaptation to that environment. And at the same time, when you so here's what happens when children get to a certain age. When you're like six, seven years of age, you actually have the conscious faculties developed to understand that what you did has resulted in pissing mum and dad off. And as a result of that, you're going to get um, slapped or hit with yeah. a stone. But when children are, say, three, four years of age and they're being punished or even at two years of age, they don't have the faculties developed yet in their brain to differentiate between what I just did is the result of how my mum and dad is treating me right now. Children don't have that developed, so they just basically believe that the world is about them, which it is because they're children, but they have no idea that their consequences equal the reaction of the parent. And here's what happens with children. If you punish children really young and they're physically abusing them, mentally and emotionally manipulating them, 
uh, children have this idea that um, that my parents are a source of love, but they're also a source of pain, and it creates this ambivalence with children and their parents. Mm-hmm. So this is why when children become adults, if they're raised in an environment where it's very insecure, they usually end up in relationships that are very insecure, and they'll accept abuse because that's what they're so used to. Now, when I say abuse, people think of really harsh conditions. Where it doesn't have to be all that, all that all the time. Yeah, it may have felt abusive at the time. It may, I mean, in hindsight, looking back, it might have been too bad. But at that time, because you were young, it felt abusive. But when you say that you know you help release people, you know, who are they'll be no longer prisoners of the past. Mm-hmm. How do you rid somebody? I mean, it, it, do we store it somewhere in our mind, in the back of our head, and only bring it out every now and again to deal with it? Or like, how do you? Is it hypnosis or something like that? You know, swinging a watch in front of somebody? Or I mean, <laughs> do they lie on a sofa where you sit there with a notebook? I'm I'm kind of picturing yeah. the scene here. I mean, how do you get that out of the person? Right? Can you bring up memories that they might not even remember they had? Yeah, I can access some of those things. So how it would look is, firstly, before I go into the session, how trauma shows in people, most people's lives is it triggers. So when people are triggered by a situation, it's never really about the situation. What's actually really happened is, is that something from the past has basically awoken within the person. So when people are experiencing like extreme anger and rage in the present, and it could be basically somebody possibly skipping them in a queue or saying something to them or just looking at them, and what happens is that provokes this reaction out of this person Basically, what it's doing is it's triggering something from their childhood experiences that they would have experienced from the environment that they were raised in. But how I release that and actually remove it from the person completely is so a client comes in to see me, I'm talking to them about the specific experiences that they've already told me about. So just say someone comes to see me and I'm working on childhood bullying that they experience. The first time is usually a child gets bullied, it's possibly, it's possibly in the environment that they're being raised in. Sometimes it can be from the parents, it can be from the siblings, it can be from the society they're being raised in, school, workplace, so forth. So in that situation, what I'll have the person do is, is recall a certain amount that I was experiencing. So I'll ask them specific questions. What sort of bullying was it? Was it um, verbal? Was it a mental, emotional? Was it physical? And what the person will do is they will start answering these questions. And when the person's answering these questions, what they're doing is they're actually recalling the energy because they're going into the experience. And when they do that, they're actually allowing themselves to be vulnerable in the space that is created for them. And when once I'm satisfied with the amount of questions that I've asked and the answers that I've received, then the person lays down in the bed that I actually do have there. And what I essentially do is is put my hands on two different parts of their head, their shoulders, and a few different parts of their feet. But when I put my hands on their head, I'm actually able to journey into the psyche of the person and into the physical body and into the energy and astral bodies. I know it sounds nuts, but that's, well, well, that's see, the I, abilities that I have. Okay, see, now you lost me there. I, everything else, I'm with you. <laughs> but, but see, now I'm, I'm very sceptical, right? You know, this kind of waving hands over people and getting into their own head. <laughs> It, to, to me, it sounds like a bit as, and I'm not, I'm not having a go at you. I'm just saying, you know, no, pseudo pseudoscience. So, I mean, yeah. is, is there any evidence that of what you're doing that you know that it actually does work? I mean, obviously, talking to people and talk therapy is wonderful, and I absolutely, it's a very positive thing. And you know, and once you're qualified to bring those memories out in somebody, because of course, if people are not qualified, be very careful how you do that because you can make things worse. So, but you're qualified to do that. But in relation to the, you know, the waving of the hands and putting your hands on people and trying to this, yeah. getting out, you know, getting into their energy or whatever it is. And I don't know, James, if I'm convinced that there's science behind that. Is there science behind that? I'm actually not sure if there's science behind it, but what I do know is, is I can base my results off the clients that I have. Like some of my clients are actually talk therapists that come to see me. And one thing that we do know is that talking about trauma doesn't heal trauma. It basically helps the person understand why that path, why basically understand uh, why they're behaving and, and thinking in the present as a result of what they experienced in the past. 
But basically, trauma is an energy that does get stored in the physical body. So there is absolutely scientific evidence that shows that when a person goes through trauma, these things called peptides get stored in our organs. And but there's also, you know, there is the scientific evidence to prove there's an energy body and there's a natural body. All of that is there. But in regards to the work that I do, the clients that I work with. So basically, can I can I go into a quick uh, yeah. example of? Yeah, go ahead. So basically, here's a great example. So I had a client. She's finished with me now, and she was with me from start to finish, and she. Her whole life has completely changed. And on Google, you can just Google Roots Healing Trauma, you'd be able to see the reviews from the people who attend the workshop and clients that have finished with me and so forth. In regards to this person's experience, and this happens for all my clients, she was in, she was in a relationship um, a long time ago, and this relationship was extremely abusive. It was actually one of the most horrific relationships I ever heard of. And it was You physically or emotionally or, or both? Everything. Okay, okay. Like really, really bad physical abuse. And she was in this relationship for a couple of years. And 10, 15 years have passed. She's moved somewhere off her life, married. And this particular individual that she was in a relationship with lived in the same town. The only time she would see this individual, her whole central nervous system would literally go to her frenzy. She would emotionally shut down. She, if she didn't shut down, she'd have panic attacks. And she would literally just not be able to do anything. So she was going to a trauma response every time she's seen this individual. And even though this relationship ended such a long time ago, this individual was still basically would still say things, would make uh, smart remarks if, she's, if you've seen her on the street. And just was still bullying her, even though the relationship ended just a long time ago. So when she came to me, I, I knew that's what was one of the one of the sessions that we were going to be working on. So the day we were in that session, I walked on that. I could see all the energy being pulled out of her, completely removed. And I was wondering when she was going to bump into him again and what would happen to her as a result of seeing him, even though I was going to heal him on this. Yeah. And one day she was in her hometown. She walked into a specific location and she was ordering something. And she looked to her right and that individual was standing there looking at her right next to her. And nothing happened. Like she had absolutely no emotional response. Right. There was no trigger. So basically, when I'm removing the energy through the, the pseudo sign of going in there and doing what I'm doing, I'm completely resolving the situation and the issue. So that person then can have a memory of the experience, but they have no emotion attached to it. Being so there's no trigger anymore, and mm-hmm. that means they're free from those experiences. Where talk therapy and stuff can't really offer that because they're only talking about the experiences. That's why I'm so grateful that. When therapists actually come to see me or uh, healing, it's, it's shown the power of it. Yeah. Well, as I said, I am a sceptical person by nature, but what you're saying to me seems to make a huge amount of sense to some degree. Mm-hmm. And you talk about the peptides there. I, I know that, you know, with every anxiety or with every nervousness, there's a chemical reaction within your body. Of course there is. It's not just yes. a mental reaction. It's a chemical reaction as well because we do produce all sorts of chemicals. Uh, which can yeah. remain in your body, and obviously uh, the waste of that remains in your body too. So, I, I do understand that. And does it work for everybody, or, or does it only work for some? If they, I suppose, is it like everything else? Do you have to want it to work? You do. You do. That's a really good question. You do have to want it to work. So here's a great example. Say so you're in a relationship with a partner, and you're not being the best best partner in the relationship, but you want to save the relationship, and you love your partner, but at the same time, you have a lot of trauma, and you're very abusive and destructive in the relationship. And she says, look, she gives you an ultimatum. Like, look, if you go to therapy, like this relationship has a chance. And you'll say, right, I'll go to therapy because I want to keep the relationship. So you come to see me, but you're not there for yourself. Your heart's not in it. You're just, don't, you're actually, if you if a person's not there for themselves in any sort of therapy. Yeah, you have an ulterior motive. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's never going to work because they're not there for themselves. They're there because yeah. there's an agenda behind their actions. But every single client that's ever came to me are there for themselves and it's always worked. I've never had a client where it's never been successful. Why, why are so many people, by the way, at this moment in time, so anxious? I'm seeing anxiety is becoming a huge problem in society. 
everybody I speak to are telling me that they, they're suffering anxiety, you know, the pains in the arms, the chest and all that kind of stuff and mm. suffering from anxiety. Why suddenly do we have this kind of epidemic of anxiety? I'm not sure if it's a sudden thing. I think more so as a collective, more people are actually expressing how they're feeling rather than uh, shying away from it. So I believe as a collective, more people are basically expressing what they're feeling, what's going on for them. Where back in the day, no one spoke about those things. Like going to see a, a, a therapist talking about how you felt, expressing feelings, was something that most people didn't do because most people were raised in societies where you just didn't do those things. People used to cry behind closed doors. And now most people are expressing it. But aside from like what people went through in regards to lockdown, obviously that really exaggerated what was really going on for people and really highlighted a lot of people's insecurities and uh, a lot of people's traumas. But, so we obviously have our societal reasons, but most people, the, the anxiety they're really experiencing is the result of unresolved social trauma. Because unresolved social trauma is actually an energy that will basically pop its head up every once in, every, well, every once every once but every now and again. And it's an anxiety that can be uh, that can overtake people. So here's a great example: people come to see me and just say, like, I was um, just walking in town the other day, and there was absolutely nothing happening, nothing to give reason for how I felt. I just felt a wave of anxiety come over me. But the anxiety is within them, and basically, it doesn't need anything outside of itself to provoke it from uh, from basically waking up. It's just there. And when people experience anxiety, it's basically the body is communicating to the mind that like you need to pay attention. Anytime you feel tension in your body. It basically wants attention from the self. Mm. What a lot of people do is they will escape from it. They don't want to feel it. And one of the best things we can actually do is just to surrender to what we're feeling, go within, see where it's coming from, and it'll bring us closer to the truth rather than wanting on the experience and want to escape. Yeah, the answer is just not popping pills all the time, by the way. Sure, it's not, obviously. I mean, no, no. no. Of course not. Uh, unfortunately, that's that's what happens when you go to a lot of GPs. Of course, you know there's a few pills here. You'd be grand. Uh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, for some people, that works well. For for others, it doesn't. Uh, in, in relation, yeah, exactly. yeah. In relation to you know, I know you're there to help people, and there are probably other people like you as well. You know, around the world, around the country, that do this kind of thing. Is there a way that you can self heal if people can't get the time, or they they don't know anyone to go to, or they're not aware of people like yourself? Can they self heal? I mean, can you look in the mirror and start talking to yourself, or can you sit down and start, you know, I suppose being honest with yourself about, you know, how you feel about your life, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and get it out? I mean, is there a way of self healing? That's a really good question, and I believe there's no one answer for it. The reason being is because, well, here's my own experience. I try to self heal. I've done a lot of, um, so I, I experienced horrific childhood trauma as a child, grew up in a lot of addictions, heroin abuse in the home, alcohol, like just horrific traumas. And when I hit about 30 years of age, then I started meditating. I started journaling. I started doing breath work. I started completely changing my whole lifestyle around. So that would be classic self being because I was personally developing myself. And then in 2021, I went through a breakup. So I basically had a, an amazing understanding of myself. I'd done all this healing on myself. And then when my partner didn't want me no more, what that actually doing was, was actually ignited all the abandonment and rejection I experienced from my parents. So that's how my past showed up in my present emotionally. So I was completely hijacked my body I literally just could not stop crying and there was nothing I could do to get myself out of that there was no healing I could do myself so I actually that's how that's what led me to be the healer that I went through now this this doesn't go for everybody there are people out there who do not need what I have to offer they can go to talk therapy and that can be enough for them there are people who will need to experience what I have to offer to experience healing there are people who can work on themselves and that may be enough so it's really down to the unique individual so that's why I'm saying you can't really put an answer on it as a collective for everybody yeah, but some, some people can, yeah, but okay, it's the point you're making, and some people talk therapy will work, and others may have to go a little bit further to people like yourself. And and is exactly. it always, does it always have to be face-to-face, or 
or you know, can people no. kind of do it through Zoom or? Yeah, I see. I see clients. I see clients in different countries uh, through Zoom, and it's just as effective as as it is in person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And is there any is there any is there any last causes? Would I be a last cause? Is there any last causes? Do have you ever you know been with somebody and went ah? There's nothing I can do for this one, you know? No, but what I did notice is um, the older a person is, and especially like if you have somebody who is really hard ingrained into their beliefs, and you're talking to them about going into this after body and journeying and shamanism stuff like this, like don't forget the mind is conditioned by the past. So when you give a person new information, it's filtered through a mind that's conditioned with possibly 60 years of other people's thoughts and beliefs and the thought that it's created by itself. And it could, when you tell people these, this information, it just comes with error. So this, there was one guy that came to see me, he was from the country. And I remember like, when I just I remember looking at him when I was sharing, sharing with him. And I remember him just looking at me thinking, this fella must be nuts, like what he was saying. Now he kept coming back, which I was more, yeah. I was so interested in. But what I noticed is that if, if a person is, in their 60s it's not that it's not effective but they've all that's usually people at that age are in, in acceptance of where they're at like yeah usually to make so my main age group so you're telling me I, you're telling me i'm a lost cause is that what you're saying to me <laughs> absolutely not but here's what and here's the other thing in order for anything to work what people do need is an open mind if you come yeah. into any modality and you're completely shut off you're not open to it then obviously you're there for the wrong reasons where you have to be open to suggestions and i can understand the the thought process you would have around it. Like there is a lot of pseudoscience out there that you wipe your hands, the whole like, Freudian thing where you lay down and put a watch out and you know, all of that stuff is really outdated. I, yeah, I see I seen this fellow once he was curing some woman of I don't know, he was telling her he was curing her cancer, I don't know. And he was waving his hands, he didn't actually touch her. He put his hands mm. and waving them all around her and all I don't know what it's called. Anyway, I said to myself, That's that's nonsense. Like that couldn't be real. There's, there's no evidence that, that actually works whatsoever. And I, I'm always kind of a little bit skeptical. I'm not suggesting for one minute, James, that you don't believe what you do works. And I'm not suggesting for a minute that you don't have evidence. And I'm sure you're very happy customers and clients who have been to you, you know, and, and I can see the logic behind what you're doing um, because obviously you're doing a cross between the talk therapy and, you know, the science aspect of it as well. So I can see both. Um, but look, I, I know Jane, my producer, by the way, has a huge interest in this, and this is probably why she has you on tonight. Uh, she's a huge she says, I'd love to go and see him, she said. But she's a huge, <laughs> she's a huge interest. But you do have a workshop coming up, don't you? Jane, you can go to his workshop. There you go. Yeah, you have a workshop coming up, haven't you? I do. But before I go to the workshop, just, 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 this just came in for me to, uh, just to share this real quick. I won't spend too much time on it. So what makes my work really interesting is that when I put my hands on people's heads, I, I, I journey. So I basically start seeing visions and stuff like that. And I have clients who see what I see. And they usually tell me, what they see, and then I'm like, well, I also seen that, and I, sometimes I don't confirm that with them. But I'm like, that's really interesting. How how could they see what I'm seeing? So and when you, when you say you can see what they see, can, like, yeah, I went to a trance and thought, I, I know. Um, yeah, so like, can you actually say so? Let's say they were abused by an abusive husband, right? Can, can you physically see because in their head, I'm sure they see that person's face all of the time when they think of abuse. So can you see that person's face? Sometimes when the person's just talking to me, I'm able to tune into um, the situation that they experienced when they were kids. Because I know um, our minds are amazing. And, and you're, you have a great mind too, James, I can tell by talking to you. But our minds are amazing. And I always say this about radio when we talk about radio as a whole. Radio is the most unbelievable medium we have because it's so much better than television. And I'm not just saying Absolutely. that because I've skin in the game. It's because, it's yeah. because your mind can make up 
you know, can paint a pictures with millions of images. Television can only give you a few thousand images, but but radio can give you millions of images in your mind, and and everybody has a different image. So if I described mm-hmm. a picture on the air, for example, everybody fills in the gaps in their own mind and they make their own picture, yeah. and everybody has a different one. So like mm-hmm. so, and, and I'm assuming I'm assuming you're the same. So when somebody's talking to you, you can paint a picture in your own mind. Or when you're putting your hand on their head, or whatever it is, and you go into your zone, I'm I'm assuming that's what you're do, you're doing. You're painting that picture in your mind of what they went through. Not entirely. So I know exactly what you're saying. That would basically be me having a predetermined idea, because they've talked, because they've given me information. Obviously, we, I can we think a picture. So I've I've got this amazing idea of uh, what the experience was. Mm-hmm. There's actually times where I can when I'm doing a heal on somebody. I can be shown things that they haven't told me about. Wow. And I will basically um, talk to them about it and they be like, oh my God, I completely block that out. Or sometimes when I when I have my hands on their head, they'll basically be, they'll have access to memories that they've completely blocked out as well. But in regards to us seeing the same thing, it's actually, we're not, I'm not seeing anything from their past. So sometimes when I'm doing a healing on somebody, they could be, say, just seeing it, they could be walking through a forest and they're caught in this deep trance and they're met by a, a body of water and, there's all these birds and all this energy going on. And like, this is what they're seeing. And I'm seeing the exact same thing. So they go up the bed and say, you wouldn't believe what I've seen. I was in this forest, seen a big body of water, all these birds are there, there's all these elephants. And I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen it. I've seen the exact same thing as well. Right. That's bizarre. It's, it's, it's weird, great, isn't it? It's strange. It's what, make, it's what makes it very interesting for me. Yeah, I, I'd say it is very interesting. You've seen some sites. I'd say it does make it very interesting. But look, tell us about the workshop. When's it on? It's on August 19th. It's on in Lucan and it's, from 10 a.m. to 3, 4 p.m. And that's a trauma workshop. And um, the first workshop I'm, actually, workshop I'm actually doing in Dublin. I've been doing them uh, all around the country so far. So I'm really excited to be bringing them. And where, where is it on? Whereabouts? It's in the Heartwing Centre in Lucan. Um, I'd have to possibly pull up the actual full address. Would you want me to pull up the full address? It's yeah. the Heartwing Centre. Okay, that, I think people will find it. The Heartwing Centre. And it's yeah. on, on the 19th of August uh, this year, obviously. Uh, so it's only a couple mm-hmm. of weeks, few weeks away. And it's at ten o'clock in the morning, and it runs till three to four o'clock, or three uh, till three or four o'clock. Is that? Is that? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, uh, from ten o'clock in the morning. And if people want to go along, do they have to get a ticket beforehand, or they can, can they do that at the time, or how does that work? So at the minute, there's only a couple of spaces left. And if people are interested, they can contact contact me on social media. My website is almost finished. That will be rootshealingtrauma.ie. But the social media page is, is rootshealingtrauma. The email address I also have is rootsett at gmail.com. Again, there's only, I think there's only three, four spaces left at the minute. So if people are interested, they're more than welcome to reach out to me. If you need more information, I'm happy to share with them. And then I can send them on a link to pay before they arrive. Okay. Well, Root here. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Oh,